Welcome to The Gathering at Adel. Today's message is continuing in our series over the Gospel of Matthew. Today we're looking at Matthew chapter 16, when Jesus said, If anyone wants to follow me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. If you want to turn to your, turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 16. The good news is, if you've been with us for a little bit, that you know that we're going through the book of Matthew. We took a couple of weeks to get through Matthew chapter 16, but we're going to get through that. And uh, this week, we will be reading together through uh, Matthew chapter 17. And uh, actually, 17 and 18, we're going to cover two chapters this week. So this week, as you're just studying and being with the Lord, definitely uh, spend time there. Matthew 17 and 18. Man, what a what a glorious time it is to be with the Lord. Enjoy having you guys here. And uh, there's this guy, uh, he was a missionary. His name is Jim Elliott. I don't know if you've heard him. If you haven't heard of him, I recommend going and reading about him. There's a book uh, about him called The Shadow of In the Shadow of the Almighty. If that if you're not like a reader at all, man, go pick up this book. In the shadow of the Almighty, it's about this guy named Jim Elliott. He was a missionary for the Lord. He was born in Portland, Oregon, 1927. He gave his life to the Lord at the age of six. He felt a call on the Lord in, the, in his early 20s. And he felt a tug to, to leave the United States and to go to the lost. And here's what he said. He, He said, I relished opportunities to leave my comfortable home, believing the news of Jesus Christ was worth infinitely more than my own life. He served in Ecuador. He was called to a tribe of Indians. It's the Aqua Indians. They were a tribe of Indians that were known to be hostile to outsiders Yet Jim and his wife felt that that's where the Lord had called them. Him and his wife and a couple of friends moved to Ecuador. They began to live outside of the tribe where the uh, Indians were, and they, they just were outside of there in another village for a bit. They began the process of over four years, just slow progress of getting to know them and loving on them and to make contact with that tribe. One of his friends was a a pilot. They would fly and they would drop gifts over the tribe. And they did that for over a year. And they were waiting for the hearts of them to turn, to be receptive to outsiders. Eventually, the tribe sent a gift, not in a plane. They walked it over there. You know, they're not as advanced. They walked a gift over, gave it to Jim and his wife and the friends that were there with them. There was a total of six The Lord began to move in in his heart as the pilot was flying over and delivering gifts. He saw a spot that was a little closer but further away from them. And he thought, man, we could land right there. There's enough room there to land. And he said, here's what we're going to do. The plan is we're going to land and we're going to build pretty much like a tree house. We're going to build a a safe structure and we're going to begin to minister to them. And so they they did that one by one. He he would drop them off and uh, they invited they, they were able to invite a couple, it was a family of four, to come and have dinner with them. 
They even took this one guy up into the plane, you know, just as like a peace offering, like, hey, come look at this. And so they took him up in the plane. They came down. They thought they had really made some progress. Four days later, Jim and his friend, that was the, the uh, pilot, his name was Nick. They saw two women on the other side of the river. They were excited that they had made contact, so they ran out in the middle of the water, waded out in the middle of the water to welcome them in. And from behind the bushes, the warriors from the tribe threw spears and killed everyone that that had gone to make contact. Jim Elliott, the pilot, three other missionaries died that day to share the good news of the gospel to the lost. He had written a letter to his wife who was on the other side. He said, man, this might be the last words that I write to you. But I can't stay here when I feel called by the Lord to go and do this. He said, I love you more than anything in the world. Those were the last words that he wrote to his wife. Two years after his death, his wife and his daughter and the pilot's wife went back. They made contact with the tribe. They were invited to stay with them to live in the tribe. Many of that tribe gave their lives to be Christ followers. That tribe it, it's like the Aqua Indians. I'm probably not saying it right. It's A-U-C-A, but it's pronounced A-W-Q-A. So I'm, that's where I'm getting Aqua. So if you're going to fact check me, I apologize. But that's kind of what I know at this point, how to pronounce things. But that tribe, it meant savages. That's what the name of the tribe meant. After Jim's wife, Elizabeth, his daughter, and the pilot's wife made contact and were, were welcomed in there. That tribe became a peaceful tribe. They accepted the gospel. And to this day, the pilot's son, daughter-in-law, and kids still live among them. Jim Elliott died so that the gospel of Jesus Christ could be reached to the lost. We look at these words in Matthew chapter 16. Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. We want casual Christianity here in America. We we want to go to church on Sundays, to have our ears tickled, but our hearts untouched. We want, to go to, we want to go to church just on Sunday so that the hired help can tell us what the Lord is saying. We would rather prostitute talent and put people on the platforms instead of just open up the word of God for ourselves. We're fine with the Lord as long as it's on Sundays and as long as it's not when the Cowboys have an early game. Jim Elliott gave up everything he had. He had the comfort of a loving family, mom and a dad that loved him, and he gave it all up. 
Because he said the pull of the gospel is too great. But we live in an America that just wants it to be casual. We, we don't have time to take care of widows and orphans. But I have all the time in the world to hunt and to fish, to go shopping. I, I, we don't have money to give to the church or to help those in need. But yet we spend hundreds of dollars on kids' sports. We spend thousands on third and fourth cars, on second houses. We spend millions on Dr. Peppers. Like, like, like we do all of this. And we're okay as long as God does not interfere into my box. Like, God, you stay there. I'll come to church on Sunday. And we just want it to be, want it to be casual. But Jesus says that if anyone wants to follow after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. How do we reconcile those two? How can we look at the church in America and go, man, that's exactly what Jesus said. We would rather just sit in pews or seats as we've progressed in our development here in religion. We would rather sit in pews and seats on Sundays instead of go to the lost to share what the Lord has done in us and through us. If anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life because of me will find it. For what will it benefit someone if he gains the whole world yet loses his life? Or what will anyone give in exchange for his life? For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in glory of his Father, and then he will reward each according to what he has done. Truly, I tell you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. So contrary to our generation, deny yourself, take up your cross, follow him. We're about self-preservation. We're about self-promotion. We're about selfies. We're about self-satisfaction. We're all about the self. Jeff Hopkins' thoughts, 99% revolve around himself. And that might be on the low end. We are so concerned with our comfort, our joy, our satisfaction, our surroundings. Man, if that electricity thermostat doesn't go down below 72 man they're they're telling me not to turn it down I, I can't believe they would do that we're so concerned with our comfort that these words of jesus just seem so foreign like oh yeah i'm sure he meant that about them or maybe he means it about Christians in Africa or Ecuador, Mexico, but not here in America, the American dream. We're so concerned with our American dream, the, the right to do all the things. We know all of our rights, and we're so concerned with them. Nobody better infringe on our rights. Well, what about when he says, deny yourself, take up your cross? I think he means to leave it laying on the side. I have no rights as a dead man. That's what he's calling us to. He says, take up your cross. It's not, oh, look at me. Here's my cross. And we decorate it. And we make it look cool and fancy. He's saying, I want you to carry this. This is an instrument of death. That's what he's calling you and us, you and me to. Yeah. Yeah. 
He says to deny himself. If anyone wants to follow me, he must deny himself. That word means to disown, to utterly separate oneself from another. He's saying if you want to follow after me, you have to disown you. You have to utterly separate yourself from yourself. that, That I have to come to the place where I say, I don't know who that is. That's not me. That was me. That was the old me, but the old me is dead. And now the new me is here. To deny means to utterly separate yourself from oneself. One time we were at Branson, we were at a trampoline park. I don't really enjoy trampoline parks, but my kids enjoy trampoline parks. They're kind of chaotic. Zion works at one. He knows it's kind of chaotic. I took it upon myself to become the ref of a dodgeball game because I found that that was way more appealing than jumping and making a fool of myself. So for the next hour and a half, I stood because no worker wanted to be part of that dodgeball. Nobody wants to run that. The kids are disrespectful, disobedient. They're punks. So I'm like, hey, I'll do this. So I'm just standing up there. You know, I'm like, out, out, no, head, he's in. I'm just yelling for an hour and a half. My voice is gone at the end of it. And I, I enjoyed it. Like, so you sit down, you're out. And I'd be like, five minutes off. And they're like, who is this? And one kid goes, do you work here? I was like, no, I'm just some random guy that wants to come up here and yell at everybody. Yes, I work here. He's like, oh, okay. At one point, uh, Ben, we were about to start a new game. And uh, Ben was telling me this story. You know, you line up on the, on the edges. And this one kid looks at everybody. He's like, whose dad is that? And Ben utterly separated himself from somebody. Ben denied his father's existence. Whose dad is that? It was a valid question, but I enjoyed it. To deny yourself means to utterly separate yourself from yourself. Romans says, so you too consider yourself dead to sin, alive to God in Christ Jesus. When he says deny yourself, he says that is the old you. You're dead and you're gone. You have no rights. It says, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't make plans to gratify the desires of the flesh. We, we make these plans to gratify our flesh. What we're going to eat, what we're going to drink, what we're going to wear so that people can compliment us on that. With this, this, all these plans to gratify our flesh. We are so absorbed with ourself that that word deny is like foreign to us. Galatians 2, 20 says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself to me. To deny ourselves means that we surrender ourselves to Christ and commit to follow his commands all the days of our lives. 
That denying ourselves says, man, I have been crucified. There's another one. I, th- I want to say it's maybe Galatians 6. Yeah, Galatians 6, I believe. There's a lot of fact checking that can go on this week, but Galatians 6 is one. It says that I have been crucified to the world and the world to me. Well, like It has no hold on me anymore. To deny ourselves means I'm going to lay down everything that I have. All that I am, my hopes, my dreams, my fears, my worries, my doubts, all the things, all the plans that I make, I lay them down. Jim Elliott had plans to, to do all these things. He was in college. He had a life ahead of him. And the Lord grabbed a hold of him at Wheaton College. And he said, I lay it all down. Jim Elliott had a gift of speaking. All his professors, he was a good-looking man, and he could speak, and all his professors said, you're going to be the next big actor. You're going to be the next big thing, and Jim Elliott laid it all down. To deny ourselves means I don't count myself worthy. I don't don't need anything. I don't want anything. I don't need anything, only what the Lord supplies me. Number two, it says, take up your cross. If anyone wants to follow me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross. This means to embrace the idea that we have no more rights than a condemned man on his way to execution. I said that really fast. Take up your cross. It means to embrace the idea that we have no more rights than a condemned man on his way to execution. Take up your cross. It it was another form of punishment. The cross was only reserved for criminals. They were only reserved for criminals when you think about it. This idea of take up your cross to us, it might not mean the same thing, but but to them, to Jesus' audience, they knew exactly what it meant, what it sounded like, what it felt like, what it smelt like. They say in, in the time where Jesus was, there were over 30,000 people that were crucified. Not only were you condemned to die, but then they would make you carry your own cross. He says, take up your cross. This story is in, in Mark and Luke also, and it says Daily. Take up your cross daily. We are to embrace a life where the whole, whole world hates us, persecutes us, rejects us, and mocks us. That's what taking up your cross means. To embrace a life where we are humiliated, where we're mocked, where we're, we're made fun of, where we're rejected, where we're hated, and even to the point where it costs us our own life. That doesn't sound too fun. John 15, 18 says, Jesus is comforting his disciples. He says, if the world hates you, understand that they hated me first. Take up your cross does not mean anything other than this is your path to death. You have no other right. You have no other expectation except I'm going to take up my cross daily and I'm walking to the finish line. I'm walking to my death, but not only that, is that I'm already dead. There's nothing I can do. The the criminal is there. He's walking up to be crucified, and there's nothing he can do to get out of it. He's already dead long before he's ever hung on that cross. 
We are already dead. Romans 6, we just said it, that we are dead to ourselves. We are already dead long before we breathe our last breath. Matthew 27, you don't have to turn there, I'll read it, but it says, this was Jesus' crucifixion. It says, then the governor's soldiers took Jesus into the governor's residence and gathered the whole company around him. They stripped him and dressed him in a scarlet robe. They twisted together a crown of thorns, put it on his head and placed a staff in his right hand. And they knelt down before him and mocked him. Hell, king of the Jews. Then they spat on him, took the staff and kept hitting him on the head. After they had mocked him, they stripped him of the robe, put his own clothes on him, and led him away to crucify him. We want casual Christianity where it's comfortable. We get offended when people make fun of us, when people laugh at us. But Jesus was mocked, humiliated, spit on, and he never retaliated. We must be willing to die to our comfort, to our possessions, our desires, our wants, and even our very own life. To take up our cross means that I'm willing to die. Not only am I willing to die, but I'm already dead now. Because right here in verse 26, it says, For what, is, what will it benefit someone if he gains the whole world yet loses his soul? What good is it to be alive in this world? To gain all of it, yet forfeit our soul. To take up our cross means that we're willing to die. Number three, Jesus said, if anyone wants to follow after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. This follow me, this word means to accompany someone on the road. When he says, follow me, he doesn't say, hey, I'm way up here, and you're never going to catch me. Follow me doesn't mean we're right behind him. Follow me is a picture of two people walking on the same road, fellowshipping with each other on their way to the journey. Religion will dangle the carrot out in front of you and never allow you to get it. But Jesus is saying, follow me, but not only follow me like you don't have to stand behind me, but I'm beside you. Like we, we accompany each other on this journey. You're, you're not forsaken. You're not alone. You're not abandoned. Like, like once again, we just got to break that orphan spirit where, all right, this is just my life and I've just got to live this. And he says, follow me, accompany me. He is beside you. He is behind you. He is before you. It's not, you're never going to catch me. I, oh, hey, I was without sin. I walked right where you were and I'm without sin and that you got to get there. He's right beside you and he's walking with you through everything that you face. It's an invitation to walk alongside him, allowing him to teach you and guide you. Jesus was teaching his disciples, John chapter 14, and he was preparing them for, for him to go away. And they said, no, 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 wait, wait, where, where are you going? Just, he said, oh, oh, don't worry. I'm going to my father's house. I'll come back and get you. And they're like, but we don't know where that is. We don't know the way to your father's house. And he says, well, I'll show you. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the father except through me. 
And he said, hey, but don't worry, I'm about to leave, but I'm going to leave someone who's better for you. The Holy Spirit, the comforter, he's going to take care of you. So, so when we look at this walking in this life, we're accompanied by the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit will lead us and guide us into all truth and all understanding. Je- Jesus is not like, okay, here you go. I'm way up there. You got to get to me. Figure it out. He's like, hey, here's my Holy Spirit. He's better for you than I am, and he's going to be with you. How do we practically look at these things? How do we practically deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow him? To deny yourself is a one-time decision to lay down your life and surrender. But that decision is then followed by a lifetime of daily dying to self. To deny yourself is a one-time decision followed by a lifetime of decisions. It's, it's, it's a marriage you have a one-time decision. It's a wedding, and everybody's happy, and they're celebrating it. Just like it says that when someone you know, comes to the Lord, that there's the angels in heaven are rejoicing, right? The story of the prodigal son even. But, but then if that's as far as your marriage goes, marriage is going to suck for you. Hey, I made a decision to follow you. Isn't that enough? Spouses will say, no, that's not enough at all. Seth, that's not enough, all right? She's shaking her head. No. It's, it's a lifetime of daily decisions, of daily denying ourselves. It, it, it's similar to like writing a $1,000 check is one thing, but paying that out over the course of your life, 25 cents at a time, is different. It's little things here and there, denying ourselves, deciding, hey, that's not what's best for me. I don't need that. I don't want that. You know, all those things. To take up your cross means that there will, that there will be suffering, but that we get to share in his sufferings and that our pain does have a purpose. Take comfort in that. When I'm, when I'm up here telling you, man, we're dying. We're dead. We're already dead. We're on our way to death. But there's purpose in our pain. There's purpose in our suffering. And if our lives could just, just reflect that of Jim Elliott, there was purpose in his pain. Through him, people came to know the Lord Jesus Christ. We must trust that God, our Father, is good and just and fair. If I'm telling you, man, you've got to take up your cross and follow him, then I'm also telling you that, that our God, our Father, is good, is just, and is fair. How do we do this? It says, rejoice as you share in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may also rejoice with great joy when his glory is revealed. We want the crowns without the cross. Have, have you noticed that? Like we, we, want, to, we want to lose 10 pounds or, or 20 pounds, but yet we don't want to go through what it takes to get there. We, we like this thing, take up your cross, because that means, man, I'm getting where I'm supposed to go, but yet we don't want to have to do that. We want it to just happen. It doesn't just happen that way. I love, here's the pattern. Jesus left us a pattern. 
how to do this. First Peter chapter 2. It says, For you were called to this because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He did not commit sin, and no deceit was found in his mouth. When he was insulted, he did not insult in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but entrusted himself to the one who judges justly. When we take up our cross, we lay down our right to retaliate. We lay down our right to feel justified, to be offended. To follow him means to obey his commands, to imitate him. I love this verse in Amos 3.3. 3. It says, can two people walk together without agreeing on the direction? This idea of following him means we're walking in agreement on the same road together. How can two walk in agreement? Or yeah, how can two people walk together without agreeing on the direction? We must depend on the Holy Spirit. He will lead us into all truth and all understanding. The flesh will lead us astray and the spirit will lead us to life. Here's an encouragement for you that it's always safe where the Father leads you. It might not be comfortable. It might lead to death. But I can still say it's always safe. That can seem contradictory. But whether you're safe on this side of eternity or safe on that side, you're in the arms of the Father. Paul said, to to live is Christ. To die is gain. So whether, whether you get to that point and you're like, man, this isn't comfortable. Just because it's not comfortable doesn't mean it's safe. It's not safe. Just because it leads to death doesn't, as long as it's not being a fool. You know, if you're leading, living for the Lord, just because it le- he leads you to death doesn't mean that it's not safe. What would it look like? It, it, if we just read this and go, man, I'm going to believe Jesus' words. That's all I'm going to do. I'm not going to read into it. I'm going to forget what Jeff said, but I'm just going to like read this. I'm going to believe it, that it could really happen. Like that it could really happen to me. Can you imagine what would happen in your family if you just began to deny yourself? If you began to just go, hey, you know what? We're not going to live like the rest of the world. We're not gonna. We're not gonna go into thousands of dollars of debt. We're, we're not gonna just give up Sunday so that our kids can play sports. Uh, we're, we're not gonna. You, we'll talk to me. We're not just gonna drink seven Dr. Peppers a day because we want to, right? So there's me. I'm preaching to myself, right? But can you imagine what would happen? Just, just the few people here in this room. Can you imagine what your family would drastically look different? What, what if you just decided to take up your cross? What, what would happen in your town if they saw a man that was willing to die for the Lord? What, what if they saw a man that, that was like, oh, you know what, man, I'm just going to take up my cross. I'm not going to be offended when I'm spit on, when I'm mocked, when I'm made fun of for my beliefs. I'm not going to retaliate. I'm not going to threaten. I'm just going to entrust that the Lord is good, that he is just and that he is fair. 
And we, we all just want to leave a legacy that's bigger than ourselves. So well, what bigger legacy is there than that? What if the world saw a man or a woman fully dependent on the Holy Spirit? <laughs> like, hey, what, what, why are you doing that? I don't know, man. The Lord just told me to, to do it. Well, that doesn't make sense. No, you're right. It doesn't. Holy Spirit's leading me, though. Not the American dream. Not the ways of the world. Not common sense. Not logic. But the Holy Spirit. We're going to end with a, a song. A time of worship. And then, then we'll be dismissed. But don't rush. Allow the Holy Spirit to just begin to stir those things. I, I feel like he's already stirred something in you. I know he has in me. I feel like sometimes we just rush out of here because we're already thinking about what's next. But just allow him to just begin to stir that. There's going to be some people at the back of the room. If you want to pray, if you want prayer over anything, if you just want someone to just pray a blessing over you, agree with you on something, uh, man, we would love to, to do that. As Kelly just leads us in that, we'll be back there, and then she will dismiss us. So, Father, we just give you our word. We give you our word that says, if you say it, then we'll do it. If you ask of us, then it'll be done. Holy Spirit, we just pray that you would just reveal your hopes and your dreams for us in this moment. That the stirring would just lead to action and not just a stirring. That it would lead to life change and not just us feeling better about ourselves. So Father, we give you this time of worship. receive ministry. Would you just stand and sing with us? I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to
just deal in our hearts what we've heard here today. God, I pray that we would leave here changed, that we would leave here with a renewed passion uh, just to follow you with everything inside of us. I pray that we wouldn't be ashamed, God, that we would be willing to lay it all down to follow you, Lord. Bless everyone here. Bless our week, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.